Good morning. Good to be in church. It's good. Um, yeah, the best thing about preaching this morning is I don't have to wear a mask for half an hour. So, um, like Felicity said, that's amazing. Um, I heard that they're running out of masks, so if you need some, you probably should get to the shop and get buy some. Um, the sales have gone through the roof, but all the oral hygiene stuff has plummeted. Um, apparently, nobody's buying toothpaste or <laughs> chewing gum. Um, so if you're one of those people, please keep your mask on. And before next week, make sure you get some toothpaste. That would be great. But um, yeah, crazy times we're living in. Um, this morning, you're going to have to put up with some ramblings and... I hope that they're anointed ramblings, um, because, yeah, if they're not, it's not going to end well for anybody. Um, This morning, I want to talk about sacrifice, sacrifice, and um, this is probably not the most popular sermon someone would listen to, is a sermon on sacrifice. But so much of what I want to speak about this morning, and I felt the Lord's put on my heart, has already been spoken throughout what Felicity and Sasha and the others have said. And um, how many know that probably in the last decade in the body of Christ, there's been such an emphasis on holistic health? Um, no longer, hopefully, are we, are we sacrificing people's health, their physical health, their mental health, their emotional health, their financial health, their, 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 their family life on the altar of ministry. Hopefully there's been a little bit of a change, maybe in the last decade or even more in the body of Christ, towards holistic health, where we're concerned about physical health, we're concerned about emotional and, and, and spiritual and, and families, and, and rightly so. And in Hope Point Church, we talk a lot about that, we lean into that, um, we can't lead anybody if we're not healthy. And so it's such an important part. But there's also an equally important truth, and that's sacrifice. And sometimes because we've moved to the emphasis of health, holistic health, sometimes we, we lose this value of sacrifice. But the crazy thing is, sacrifice is all through the Bible. It's actually... Not only all through the Bible, but Jesus clearly modeled how to live a life of sacrifice. And he never did it at the expense of rest. Jesus modeled for us how to live in total rest, in total communion with the Father, but have the busiest schedule anybody's had, and to be healthy, but yet to sacrifice and step over that line of inconvenience. This is amazing. This is, this is what Jesus models for us. And sometimes because we value and we emphasize health, sometimes we can think, well, because we're emphasizing this, then there's no area for inconvenience in my life. Maybe there shouldn't be any sacrifice. Maybe everything about my spiritual life and my family moving forward should fit into this box called convenience. How many know that sacrifice is a real part of following Jesus? 
Our goal right now as believers is not to get to heaven. Our goal right now is to bring heaven to earth. It's crazy because oftentimes we feel that our goal, and, and, and even hanging around church sometimes we think our goal is to get to heaven. Our goal is to get to heaven. That's important, but right now, if you're sitting in this place and you're a believer in Christ, your goal right now is to bring heaven to earth, is to bring the reality of heaven here, to bring his kingdom here. How many of you guys paid a big sacrifice for your salvation? Yeah. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. And, and we have the privilege to acknowledge that and say yes to that and step into what he has for us. Our goal is to bring the reality of heaven to earth. This is why we have a vision statement at this church, like um, transforming our community through the love and power of Jesus. It has more to do when, than us as individuals going to heaven. There's a world that is yet to experience the love and power of Jesus. And as we experience his love, as we experience his power, we literally just leak over everybody else. It's not about going into the, the marketplace to do stuff, although that's good. It's about as we're going, as we're in our jobs, as we're in our places of influence, we just leak the love and power of Jesus. Is anyone here this morning? Where's Kim? Kim's good. He always laughs at my jokes. Um, As we read um, church history, as we look at revivals, as we look at outpourings of God, as we look at reformations, whatever you want to use in that term, um, um, communities transformed, whatever term you want there, revivals, outpouring of God, we see that there was a price, there was a sacrifice to see this happen. I heard a quote recently, it says that most things in life that you need will be given to you, but the things you you want, you're going to have to go get. Let me say that again. Most things in life that you need will be given to you, but the things that you want, you're probably going to have to go chase after them, go get them. Revivals are built on sacrifice. Let me read some, let me just read out some words that are synonymous with revival. Prayer, waiting, contending for the miraculous, more waiting, fasting, possibly more waiting, being misunderstood, more waiting, contending for the more of God, more waiting, difficulty, more waiting. Mess, more waiting. Long nights and early mornings, waiting on God. An outpouring of God will cost us something. It's going to cost us more than turning up to church, although that is so important. But it's going to cost us more than turning up to church.
The crazy thing is that we live in a society now that says, find the shortest route to get the outcome that you want. Find the most efficient way to get this outcome. We live in a society that says, give me the shortcut. I want an outcome, but tell me how to get there so that I can put the least amount of effort in. The crazy thing is that even as society and our culture is trending towards that way, the kingdom of God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. And I don't really think that that approach or that mindset is actually how the kingdom works. I find that as I, as I, as I read through the scriptures, as I read through the life of Jesus, I see someone who, who would stop and, and, and someone who would take time and things that other people wouldn't. I would see, it says in, in Luke, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Often. It was a lifestyle of prayer with the Father. How many know that if Jesus needed to adopt that lifestyle, how much more do we need to? If you've got your Bibles there, if you can turn to Mark chapter 14. Recently, I was reading through Mark again and came across this passage and it really struck me. It's a very familiar passage um, in Mark chapter 14. We'll start with verse 1 and we're going to read down to verse 9. It says, Now the Passover and the, festival, and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them at any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Verse 9, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is an amazing, amazing passage of scripture. And this morning as you read this, as you hear this, as you even look at the words, I want you to engage in the scriptures, not with just have heard this for a thousand times before, not just looking at this as an historical account, but actually delving into the text with all your five senses, if that's possible. But picture this, Jesus is there, he's reclining, they've had a meal, Peter's just burped, they're sitting around, and here comes this woman, and and in, in the account of John, John actually tells us that it's Mary. Mary, who is, who is the sister of Lazarus and Martha. And Mary comes in and actually gets this alabaster jar of perfume 
and pours it on Jesus' head. Scholars tell us a little bit about what this alabaster jar or this alabaster box was. And historically in the Jewish culture, when a woman was at the age where she could be married, her parents would purchase an alabaster jar and fill it full of perfume and give it to her as pretty much a dowry. And she would keep this. This was the most expensive thing she had. Women in those cultures didn't own a lot of possessions. And so this, was, this could potentially be the only thing of value that a woman would have. And depending on how rich her, her parents were, depending on how large and the type of perfume that was in this, this jar. And historically, what would happen is once this, this woman actually got married on her wedding night, she would actually pour, she would actually break this alabaster jar and pour it on her husband's feet. Who's thankful that we don't live 2,000 years ago? Pour it, <laughs> pour it on her husband's feet as a sign of honor and as a sign of surrender. This was incredible. This is what this was. It was a dowry. It was something that, that, that was given to, to, to a woman that on the night of her wedding night, she would pour this, this, this perfume, this ointment, whatever was in this, this container, this jar, on her husband's feet. And here we have this awkward thing going on over a simple lunch where this woman called Mary bursts in and she breaks this alabaster jar and pours it over the head of Jesus. This is incredible. And maybe you're th- oftentimes we, we, we side with, with Mary and Jesus and we're rebuking the disciples about their attitudes. But how many know we probably would have thought exactly the same thing? This is a year's wages. Not only is it that, but why? Why do this? It's, it, it, it's, it's not even a cultural significant thing she's doing. It's not the right place. It's not the right time. It's not the right setting. Why is she doing this? This is awkward. This is something that's meant to be reserved for another setting. And here this woman comes in and breaks this jar and pours it over the head of Jesus. Hindsight's a great thing, but we know it was to anoint him for his burial. But no one else knew that. At that time, they thought that a few verses, a chapter later, they're all, they're, all, they're all celebrating Jesus with his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. They think he's about to take his place and rule as a king. No one predicted what was going to happen a week later, his death. And here we have this woman, Mary, who comes in and breaks this jar and pours this perfume all over Jesus. There's a few things, a few ramblings that I want to talk about from this passage. The first one is often your sacrifice doesn't make sense. In the case with Mary, this was an, this was an extreme sacrifice. 
And oftentimes our sacrifice, the things that the Lord is impressing upon our heart, all of a sudden it doesn't make sense. And we have that choice whether we obey or we pull back. And in this case with Mary, whatever, I don't know what was going on inside her, but whatever she pushed through, that awkwardness with, with a room full of men and actually broke this jar over Jesus' head and anoints him. Mary's sacrifice made no sense. The crazy thing was it didn't even make sense to her. But all she knew is there was something inside of gratitude. There was something inside her that said, I need to honor this Jesus. Our sacrifice often doesn't make sense. How many times have you been feeling like the Lord is, is telling you to do something? Maybe it's to give an amount of money to somebody. Maybe it's to reconcile the relationship. Maybe the Lord's calling you to a particular group of people to serve them. Maybe the Lord's calling you to serve in the church. Maybe the Lord's calling you in a particular way, and that means you've got to make drastic decisions to obey what you believe God is telling you to do. And how many know that it doesn't always make sense? Youth group is a perfect example, especially with youth group leaders. I love youth group leaders because I remember being a teenager and I remember those awkward couple of years. You go to youth group, you hear some amazing things, you're, you're being impacted, but you haven't yet somehow, well, at least it was for me, I hadn't developed the ability to communicate with anybody. And so I could never get the things that were going on in here out of my mouth. And I probably didn't even really know what was going on in here. And so I would never go up to a leader and say, oh, that was an amazing, you're just impacting my life. I just walk out, poker face, stone cold face, and the poor, the, the poor leader who's running the youth group comes in every week, sacrifices, pours into young people. I remember talking to someone who was a youth pastor and they said, it's an amazing what happens in about 10 or 20 years time. When all of a sudden these stories come back, when if you're like me, people actually learn how to talk and they come back and if you're any young people here, that's not you. you, you guys are all great at communication. But it's crazy what happens and so, and this is often the case, we sacrifice and it makes no sense. We look at the very area that God has called us to serve in and we can write a list this long about reasons why we shouldn't do it. Or maybe you feel the Lord is, is calling you to pray, to intercede in particular. Maybe it's a people group, a country, uh, a neighborhood, a street. And all of a sudden you've been praying, you've been praying, and you see nothing happen. You don't even know anybody that lives in there. You don't know anything about the thing. And all of a sudden you just feel that the Lord keeps saying, just keep praying, just keep praying. Or maybe it's a son or daughter who's away from God and you're just praying and believing 
and you can't see anything. And, and you could write a list this long about why you should give up. How many know that our sacrifice doesn't always make sense? As we look at this story of, of Jesus and the interaction with, with Mary and Jesus, and this is where I felt the Lord over recent times has been challenging me again, is when is the last time I've actually broken the alabaster jar? When is the last time I personally have broken the alabaster jar? Because so often we can give out of our convenience. And I'm not saying that's wrong. It's just that sometimes the Lord is asking for more. So often we give out of our convenience. We give 10%. We give some time. We give some prayer. We give some of this, some of that. But when's the last time you broke your alabaster jar? That thing that costs you so much. That thing that when God says to do it, it actually makes you throw up in your mouth. The thing that when God says do it, your heart starts pounding like this. When God says, go over and give that person a thousand dollars. Or whatever the case may be. Or go and invest in that person. Pull back on a shift at work so you can invest in your family. All these things, all these sacrifices, they, they become difficult. When was the last time you broke your alabaster jar? When's the last time you stepped over that line of inconvenience? The interesting thing that Mary wasn't just pouring perfume. How many know that, like some of us, when we go buy perfume at um, Chemist Warehouse, I mean Myers, um, when we go buy perfume, it's not much of a cost. It's just whatever gets deducted out of our bank account. We buy this perfume and we give it to a loved one or a friend or whatever the case may be. How many know that Mary didn't go to Chemist Warehouse to buy some perfume? This wasn't just perfume. This was her life. What she was saying as she was pouring out her last drop, potentially of wealth, she was not only saying that she, she was giving the Lord everything, she was entrusting Him with her future. She was saying, even future marriage proposals, I trust Him that somehow He will work this out. Here my dowry is, is literally getting tipped over, being spilt one year's wages. And she, it's not just perfume that she's bought. It's her life. It's her future. It's her future husband. It's potentially the ability for her ever to get married. She's pouring out on Jesus and saying, I've seen something that is worth everything that I have, even my potential future. Maybe your alabaster jar is relationships. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's just that intimacy with God. 
Maybe it is finances. Last week, we caught up with some friends from our church and we were talking to them and they were telling us about how that they've actually had um, incredible opportunities to get promotions at work. And we all rejoiced this, but the person was telling us that he went in and sat down with his boss and his boss started to outline a promotion for him and how he was going to step up in the company, how he was going to get a promotion and how all these extra responsibilities as well as this amazing promotion. And he, ta- he turned to his boss and said, I don't want to disappoint you, but there's something else that actually burns in my heart stronger than this job. Although I give 100% to this job, there's something that burns in my heart stronger than that. And his boss looked at him and said, excuse me? And he said, yeah, it's to do with church. It's to do with where we're standing our focus. It's to do with a healthy family. It's to do with this stuff that the Lord has actually impressed upon our heart. And so he said, no, thanks. What is your alabaster jar? It'll be different for every single person. But there's something that the Lord is asking of us. And if we are going to see our community transformed, it takes people that will pay a price. The crazy thing is that a lot of us sitting here today are actually inheriting a price that was paid by future generations. Sorry, by past generations. The building here that you get to to enjoy, the culture, the anointing, the legacy this church, the financial blessing didn't just drop out of the sky. It all happened with people that actually sowed their life into the vision of the church 40 years back. And we come in this morning and and we come in a lot of times and we enjoy it and we're thankful. But it's interesting that any work of God requires sacrifice. Any work of God requires a, a, a cost to be paid, a price to be paid. And so the challenge is this morning, as, as much as we're enjoying all this stuff, how many know that the Lord isn't finished with Hope Point Church yet? On every level. How many know that we're, we're not having the influence in our community that we believe the Lord has called us to have? And so that means... There's a price to pay. There's a cost to pay. There's a sacrifice. It's interesting that with every yes we make, there's usually a heap of no's that we have to say no to. Every yes we say, there's a heap of things we have to say no to. You might look around this room and look at people who have served God faithfully. And you see their yes, but we don't always see the list of things no that they had to, the things that they had to say no to, the sacrifices that they had to put on the altar, these things that they sacrificed, their life, their money, their treasure, their talent. The other thing we can learn from this passage is that our sacrifice becomes alive as we pour it out on Jesus. This was, I think, the thing that Mary got. 
some point earlier, she, her, her brother had actually died. Lazarus had died. And she had seen Jesus come and announce himself and says, I am the resurrection and the life. And her brother had literally come out of the grave. And she's got this. And now she said, look, I've seen a man who is the Messiah. And she said, hey, the very thing that I have, I'm going to pour it out on him. I'm going to put all my eggs in his basket and I'm going to trust him for my future. This is what she did. She knew that as she poured out her sacrifice on Jesus, he had the ability to make it come alive. A couple of years ago when we were leading, leading up to go overseas for a year to, to Bethel Church, um, we, we packed away and sold most things we had. And we had a heap of money in the bank and we set off overseas. And when you take a family overseas, it's not always cheap to live. And so I would watch this bank account that had taken me 10 years of savings slowly depleting. And when the Lord's doing amazing things in your life, you're never looking at it with regret. But the reality was my bank account was still depleting. And it was 10 years worth of savings. And by the time we got home after 12 months, we were $10,000 in debt. And I want to thank so many people here that supported us and prayed for us and and financially supported us. But we came back and we were $10,000 in debt. And... It's interesting because in the last 18 months, the Lord has recovered or blessed us with more financially than we had in 10 years. That's worth a clap, yeah. The crazy thing is that as we sacrifice something, as we sacrifice, it's not just sacrificing something for the sake of sacrificing, it's we hear the word from God We hear it clearly. We know what he's saying to do and we obey. We we trust him. We take a step of faith and we obey. And this is what the Lord does. As we sacrifice it and lay it upon him, he actually brings something uh, supernaturally more. In my 10 years of saving, I couldn't get as much as I have in the last 18 months. This is a miracle. It's a supernatural thing of God, provision of God. Where as we sacrifice it, he breathes life onto it. This is what Mary knew. It was worth the chance. It was worth the gamble. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come up um, just as I finish up now. This verse here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, this is what it says. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. The King James Version says, if your eye is single, 
your whole body will be full of light. That word single actually means two words in the original language. It means one and then it means voyage. It means if our, if our eye is set on one voyage, our whole body would be full of light. Like I said before, the ultimate yes to him requires a lot of no's. A lot of no's of sacrifice. But it's worth it. Here in Matthew it says, it says that single focus on one thing, our life is full of light. It's amazing what happens when we finally work out why we're alive. And maybe you say to me, Ben, yeah, but of course we know why we're alive. We're Christians. But you don't get it. It's amazing what happens when we really know why we're alive, why we were born on this planet. See, it doesn't mean that we then run and we just sit in the church seven days a week and we quit our jobs and our families and all this stuff. But what it means is that all these things we do, they're redirected because our focus is Him. Everything we do now aids the very thing why we're alive. I heard a story recently about a man quite some time ago, and he was a young man, and he was training to get into the Olympics. He loved athletics. He was a fit, healthy guy. And he had an accident, and I think it was a a motor vehicle accident. And in the accident, he actually had to get his arm amputated. And as he recovered from the amputation, from the surgery, and he got his health back, he still had this passion. He still had this, this drive for sports. And so he decided to take up handball. Now, this is not the game that us Australians play with a tennis ball. This is actually a game where you hit. It's like squash, but you use your hands. There's no rackets. And you hit this ball against a wall. It's like squash. And he actually got quite good at this game of handball. And he started to go into tournaments and he started to win. And there was one, he actually got to the grand final in his state in this tournament. And he ended up winning. This is, this is a one-armed man. He ended up winning the tournament. And, the, and the, the news reporter came to him and said to him, how is it that you were able to beat all these other people when they had two arms and you only had one? And he said, well, that's easy. Options. And the reporter said, excuse me, options? He said, yeah, options. He said, well, see, all my other opponents, when I hit the ball and the ball's coming towards them, they have to make a decision which arm they're going to use to hit the ball. He said, with me, my mind's already made up. (laughs) 
as we come to Jesus this morning. Let's be people that have already set our voyage on one thing. Let's be people that have already got our minds made up. Before the list of options is there. Let's be people that everything we do actually fuels the very thing why we're alive. Because our community is waiting. It's waiting. It doesn't know it yet, but it's waiting. For a group of people that have chosen one voyage, they know why they're alive. And everything fuels that. Maybe for you this morning, it means making radical decisions. Maybe for you, whatever scenario you're in, maybe you felt like, hey, there's always been the call of God on my life in this area, but I've always, I've always covered it because of busyness, because of responsibilities. Maybe this morning, it's time when you, you, you take the covers off that call of God on your life and you say, hey, I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to break that alabaster jar just like Mary and I'm going to throw all my eggs on him. Put all my eggs in his basket. In um, John chapter 12, Verse 23. How many know that sometimes it's really healthy to read uncomfortable verses? We all love recreational reading. The Jeremiah 29, 11s, the other promises, and they're so good. Sometimes it's good to just get hit straight in the face with the things that aren't so comfortable to us. It says here in verse 23, it says, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, And where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. It's crazy. Farmers don't have a funeral when they put seed in the ground. They don't grieve when they put seed in the ground. It might be difficult, but it's a celebration because they know what's coming. And so I encourage you this morning. What's that thing that the Lord is asking of you? What's that thing that He's saying that's going to that's gonna make you step over that area of inconvenience? Maybe it's to go knock on your neighbor's door and start up a friendship. I think if we could ask Mary right now, and say, what was it like to give everything to Jesus? I think she would turn around and say, well, it was nothing in comparison. I 
think she would turn around and say, well, the exchange is so much more. It's nothing in comparison. We're going to sing this song again in a moment. But just out, while everyone bows, bows their head and closes their eyes, Maybe you're here this morning and you've never actually given your life to Jesus. Maybe this morning you've never actually handed over control of your life to Him. Maybe you've been in church for a while, but you've never actually surrendered to Him. Maybe you've compartmentalized your life where He has a certain part on Sunday, but you've never actually given Him control the reins of your life. Or maybe you've done it in the past and this morning you just want to say, I want to come back to Jesus. I want to surrender my life to Him. If there's anyone here this morning that wants to do that, we're going to pray in a moment. Would you just raise your hand? If anyone wants to give their life to Jesus this morning, forgiveness of sin, wants a brand new start, put your faith and your trust in Him. Anyone here this morning? Anyone want to say yes to Jesus this morning? Just as we sing this song now, I want you to stand, but I don't just want you to stand because that's what we do when we're singing songs. We read the stories in history about men and women who contended for revival. They were largely misunderstood. They were ridiculed. They paid a price, but in the exchange, it was totally worth it. So this morning, as we stand in a moment, I want you to stand and sing this song together with us. If, you're, if you say this morning, I'm going to pay the price, whatever that is. Actually, I'm going to sign the check before I see what it's even written in. Whatever he asks of me, I'm going to say yes. If that's you this morning, would you stand and we're going to sing this song together?